From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast, the season salvation edition, as the Jaguars get a win that they desperately needed, winning in Cincinnati. Mark, if they had lost that game, we would have a whole different conversation. But as they won, here we are. It's As we talked about, it keeps things alive, and now they have it in their power to get right back into contention. Hope is alive, uh, but you're exactly right. Listen, you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who, by the way, I think everyone would agree, Not that so is a good. really bad And they were really team. injured, too, so that's a bad combination. Yes, yeah. Um, but you're at the end of the third quarter, and the Jaguars are down... 10 to 9, yeah. you're thinking, you can't lose. If we had lost that game, uh, it would have been the low point of the season, regardless of what would happen am I out of going line? on. Am I out of line in saying that if they lose that game, this week might be a week of change? Um, or would that, would that be jumping Well, it would gun? be too early to change to change quarterbacks. Are you mm-hmm. talking about players or coaches or... Something. I mean, I think... I think if they lose that game to a winless Cincinnati Bengals team that had about half their roster yeah. dinged up, um, yeah, I I just got the, the sense that uh, this could have really, and I'm saying this partially to back up my own assertion that I made at the beginning of the month of October, which was that this month will determine the path of the season. Yes. Um, and... I had them win the game. I picked them to win the game. Thought they win by a couple of touchdowns. It mm-hmm. wasn't. They had a chance to make it a little bit better than that. Couldn't hold off the the Bengals at the end. But uh, I mean, sometimes you celebrate a win. Sometimes you celebrate not a loss. <laughs> well, I tell you, I mean, for three quarters, it didn't it didn't look great. Sometimes you keep those teams hanging around, hanging around, and they start believing in themselves. Hey, maybe we can pull this thing off. But Jaguars made some big plays in the fourth quarter and uh, got some turnovers. They, listen, they won. And uh, now we're sitting here at three and four. Um, I have, I, I think everyone's really excited about the win. I'm excited about the win, but I have some concerns. Mm-hmm. All right, let's address some of those. Well, I, listen, Gardner, uh, for two weeks in a row, looked like a rookie to me. Yeah. He, did make some, he did make some nice plays. Better uh, in the second half than the first. Better in the second half than the first, which has kind of been typical of him. You know, a, a, a slow first half kind of picks up in the second half for whatever reason. But that's okay. He has, I'm, I'm convinced, Cole, he has one job. Just don't turn it over. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette's running really well. Really well. Much better than I expected. I thought the receiving core really stepped up for their quarterback yep. yesterday. Yeah, Conley had a good game. Conley had a good D-D. game. Keelan Cole got a the, uh, touchdown. Um, DJ Chark made some plays. They're trying to shut him down. But the, the best day was D.D. Westbrook. So, yeah. as a core, they were great. Just don't turn it over. I think we're going to be fine there. Yeah, and, and they forced turnovers on the other side, which obviously that's makes That's where I was big, going. But if, the, if the defense gets four, guess what? You're going to win. You're going to win. So, th- there was at one point in the ballgame, the Jaguars had a 100-yard rusher, a 100-yard receiver, or plus two when I tweeted this out, in, in the turnover margin. And I was like, there's no way they can't win this right. way. And yet, they were, <laughs> they were not winning at that point. Well, up until Miles' interception, that game could have gone either way. Without a doubt. Now, it happened. Miles made a really nice play. Andy Dalton's 
the red rocket is really struggling. Is it red rocket, red rifle? What is he? Is he the red rocket? I think it's a red rifle. I think it's a red rifle. Yeah, Maselli red rocket, red rocket, red rocket, something else. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's a dog owner knows what that is. Um, you're gross. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a football game up till till that fourth quarter, really. So one of the things that I've noted, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but it really became pretty crystal clear when the Jaguars want to run the football when they really need some yardage, when they really want to get it done, here's what they do. They put Gardner Minshew under center, Fournette is deep as a lone setback, and they pull Will Richardson from right guard to the left side, <laughs> yeah. and they run behind Richardson, Norwell, and Cam Robinson, and that's where they get their big plays. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me because you're talking about Will Richardson, who is right now platooning with A.J. Cannon AJ. right guard, mm-hmm. and I think A.J. is probably a little bit better as a pass blocker than Richardson is right now. Surprising, considering Richardson was a tackle previously. But Richardson really moves well. He really gets out in front well uh, on that pulling play. When you have a bread-and-butter running play, and it works, you got to keep going to it, don't you? I mean, just you go do. to it till make them stop your bread-and-butter. Yeah, you, you do. If it's not broke, you don't fix it. Now, what you, now, defenses aren't stupid, you know? A perfect example is DJ Chark is lighting it up in the first month of the season. Well, it's a little quieter right now because defenses, you know, we, they figure out we got to stop that guy. And yep. they have to a degree. Still had a few plays. Um, same thing with this power run, this power run play um, that, that you mentioned. They're going to do what they can to stop it. Now, what you try to do is you try, just like you would in the past, you try to disguise it up mm-hmm. a little bit, personnel it up a little bit, make it look a little different. Um, but still have the same core running play that you that you have because it's it, it works. But you certainly don't abandon it for fear that oh they know that we're going to do this. No, make it make them stop you, make them shut that down. Until they do, you keep doing it. And I think one of the things I'd like to see is John D. Filippo get creative off of that look. Absolutely. Um, and so a lot, it's very easy to go back to your formative years. Um, when you start talking about some of these things. But I will, because when you talk about the running game, when I first started covering the National Football League, I was covering Marty Schottenheimer's Kansas City Chiefs with Christian Okoye and Barry Word and Marcus Allen later. The, these were, this was a team that ran first. And one of the things that Schottenheimer would do, once he established the run game, that this was a running team, I don't know how many times he would pull out play action on the very first offensive play hmm. and hit, hit it over, you know, Steve DeBerg hits somebody over the top right. or Montana, what have you. Um, I think the Jaguars are getting to the point now. Leonard Fournette has 300-yard-plus games in his last four. I think they've established that they are now moving toward an identity of a running team, even though Minshew had the big start. I think they're, they're run, moving toward that. I'd like to see some things built off of that bread-and-butter running play whether it is a play action with all that same sort of blocking look, uh, coming back to the weak side, what have you, or right. something, or or end around something, I'd like to see that start to be mixed in now because, as you mentioned, defenses are going to start looking for that, looking for some of those tendencies. I think that's the real test for the Jaguars' offense now in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you're right, and and uh, and and John DiFilippo understands that, and and he'll get to that, and it, it could be a, a play action where Gardner Minshew, you know fakes it, turns around, and it's a pop pass right out of the middle of the field to the tight, or you know, or it's a bootleg, mm-hmm. or it's a deep crossing. Um, there's so many options that you can do uh, with that. Um, now, listen, that's what good, creative, efficient 
offensive coordinators do. They uh, they do their best to to design a play to outthink the opponent, and and it's all about execution. But right now, it would be foolish not to have some variety off of that that run look. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the this concept of the Jaguars' offensive identity. I think defensive. I think we've got a feel for what their identity is right now with this group, which is a defensive line that can really get after it. Linebackers injuries are going to be a big part of the story going forward there. But but uh, that's a group that's sort of has had their ups and downs, but can make some big plays. And then in defensive secondary, I think you're seeing the emergence of DJ Hayden as a real difference maker. Right. And you've got to keep an eye out for what happens with Trey Herndon at that other cornerback position. But offensively, I still don't think this team completely knows what they are I at agree. their core. I, was, I completely agree because I think, I don't think it would surprise anybody if we play the Jets and we rush for 64 yards, mm-hmm. but, but uh, Gardner threw for 362. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I know, I have an idea of what they want to be. All right, tell me what you think they want to be. What they want to be is exactly what you saw uh, against the Bengals. Run the ball well mm-hmm. and not turn it over. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's sort of the offense, by the that's way. That's it. That's some what they play action. That's what know, they were in 2017, right? That's what they want. Yeah. That is Doug Marone, ex offense alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that what they should be? It's what they should be, but that only works if it's coupled with a defense that gets four turn, three or four turnovers mm-hmm. a game. Yeah. That's how it works. And that was 2017. Yeah. You know, that is the blueprint. That's the model. I don't think they entirely trust Gardner Minshew yet. Regardless of some big games and some big moments, I think if you look closely and you watch the tape, you're going to see some real rookie moments that the normal fan, it just isn't, it, you know, looking to the wrong side perhaps, not going through the progression, being a little antsy, getting out of the pocket too, too soon. In his defense, he, he hasn't done it for a long time. Yeah. You know, no, you know and he's, he, um, what do we got now? Seven games under his belt. So there are some moments right there. So I don't, uh, I don't think they're, or whatever at this point, going to a game, at least in the next few weeks until Nick is healthy, is, you know, Gunner, we're going to go, we're going Peyton Manning. We're going to, you're going to need to throw for 300 yards. And they would never do that to a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too much for him. Could he do it? I think he could. Uh, but that's not the blueprint. That's not the formula that they want. Do you think that if Doug Marone of the coaching staff had a more stable foothold in terms of job security, that they would approach this thing differently than they are right now? Or do you think that offensively, leaning this way and, and leaning on the run heavily and, and take care of the football, that that is just at the core what Doug Marone believes the offense that that offense should be, and that, that he's most comfortable in that way. I, I get the sense that Filippo would would like to throw it around a little bit more. I agree. I, uh, it, given an opportunity, but there are some secondary influences here when you start talking about you know coaches wanting to keep their jobs. Yeah, I, I think um, yeah uh, uh, the best kind of a coach the best kind of coach is a secure coach. Yeah. Um, but that security doesn't last very long. I mean, you're you're paid to win games, and I don't think, I don't think Doug Marone really cares about how the games are won. I don't think he cares about statistics. He just wants to win them. Mm-hmm. He needs to win them. Yeah. And I think with the way Leonard's playing right now, and having a rookie quarterback, uh, I think he believes that's their best bet to win football games. I think what we saw yesterday with that defense and that offense going forward, that is what he's going to push for. 
Um, but all that, you know, everybody has a plan until what you get. You yeah, get until the first hit, right? Until that yeah. first hit, until you, you know, you. Um, so um, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, variety uh, for the remainder of the season. We're going to see what we saw yesterday. Uh, we're going to see, you know, those games where Gardner throws for 300 yards or, or Nick Foles throw for 300 yards because they're absolutely starting to run. We'll also see some games when the offense just isn't effective. I think we're going to see it all, Cole. I don't think we're good enough yet. I don't think we've established an identity uh, of uh, we know who we want to be, but I don't think we're good enough to see it every week. Well, you mentioned Foles, and that leads me into the next question, which is really a huge one for this Jaguars team over the next three weeks, uh, two games in a bye week. And that is, what happens when Nick Foles comes back? Is there a scenario where he doesn't come back right away is there a scenario where Gardner Minshew sits down? How do you see this playing out here over the next several weeks? Well, when's Nick healthy? So he can start Gard- practicing this week, and then he can play the week after the bye week. I think Gardner Minshew gets two more games. We know that'll happen because yep. Foles can't come back. And I think they're going to put Nick in as soon as they can. Really? I do. Based I, on, based do. on you, this goes back to the trust situation. It's not just the trust. I, listen, I think that they trust Gardner, um, but I think what they see on tape are some some rookie moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they view Nick as in two ways: one, a guy who's had some big moments, like we've all talked about, but also a guy that could spark this team. Mm-hmm. The spark is gone from Gardner Minshew. Do you know what I mean? So, I understand what you're saying from that first sort of zing of excitement. But if if the Jaguars... Let me just paint this scenario. If the Jaguars beat the Jets and they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. Yep. And then they go to London and they beat the Texans. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a three-game winning streak with a quarterback and a bye week. Okay. Do you still make the change at quarterback? How's Gardner playing? Well, well enough to win. There's wins and then there's... Really good wins when your quarterback plays. Yeah. I've, I've won a lot of games where I played like you know what. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not about wins. It's how is the quarterback playing. And everyone in the locker room always knows how the quarterback is playing. Mm-hmm. Hey, we, we, hey, we've won three games in a row. Doesn't, it, it's about how the quarterback's, play, about how the quarterback's playing. Let, let me it's throw about in. how the defense is playing. Does the defense need a quarterback then go in there and light it up? Because they're getting run through right now. So it's not wins and losses. So another component to this decision-making is about how you manage things if it doesn't go well after the bye week. If you go with Gardner Minshew after the bye week and you have to make a change, well, no big worry. Yep. If Gardner doesn't play well, you lose a game, shouldn't, or Foles goes back in, fine. We just want to stick with Gardner as long as you possibly can. How does that play in the locker room? How does that play outside of the locker room. If you put Nick Foles in, does it change your your franchise position if you have to pull him and put Gardner Minshew back in? How, you know, that dynamic. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. But, but again, if, if, if Gardner isn't meeting their expectations at the time that Nick Foles goes in, um, you, you don't have a choice. You can't look that far down the road. You, you, you can go through all these different scenarios, I think. Listen, I, 
I've never been a GM. I've never been, you know, a decision maker like that. Um, these guys have been through all through all this stuff. Cole, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I just know that that uh, I just know it's going to get really interesting, and it depends on how Gardner's playing. I, um, his numbers were good, but did you think Gardner Minshew had a good Gardner Minshew game? Yesterday? No, matter of fact, I, at halftime. So every just a little inside baseball here. Um, every Monday or every Sunday after a Jaguars game, I write a, a four big takeaways. And typically, my process is that at halftime, I start jotting down some notes mm-hmm. about what may become those those four takeaways. And at halftime, one of the takeaways was Gardner Minshew is going to have to figure out, he's going to have to adapt to what other teams are doing to him yeah. uh, going forward here. Well, that did not become a note because... He played much, much better in the second half. Yep. To- looked like a totally different guy. Um, so, again, against the Bengals' defense that not yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was a particularly impressive performance. I think it was terrible. I, th- I, I like, I would much rather have a guy have a better second half than a first half. Yep. Because that tells me a lot about his, his mental uh, toughness. So, um, I thought it was okay. I uh, didn't think it was great. thought it was okay. Yeah. I thought the best play he made, Mark, was on the two-point conversion. That was the most decisive uh, uh, on the throw to Conley, tight window, quick decision, you know, short area, as you know, compact area. Mm-hmm. It looked the most like a pro, you know, a pro bowl quarterback pass mm-hmm. that I thought he made uh, in the whole game. Not that he didn't make some other good throws, but that was just Look the like eye test. Look like yes. a pro. yes. So, again, that's in a key point in the game, second half. Um, you know, had a touchdown to give him a lead after he made the touchdown to, to uh, Keelan Cole. I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. I guess part of this, I would probably feel a little bit different about this. If I had seen Nick Foles in four or five games in a Jaguars uniform with these guys in this system this year. We saw him for, you know, 11 plays. 11 plays. So, is that enough? I... You know, I've seen a lot more of Gardner Minshew in this system, and while certainly teams have figured out some things to do against him, now can he? It still goes back to that same note: can he adapt? Yep. And I thought he did a bit in the in the second half of that game. Yeah, I, I, it was the Bengals. Yeah, I, he has to adapt. You can't play that. You can't play that same way for, you know, four quarters. Mm-hmm. Two quarters was bad enough. Yeah, it's the Bengals. It's they, they they don't they didn't have anybody. A bunch of their starters were out anyway. Listen, I, I'm a big Gardner Minshew fan, but for him to keep his job, he's got to he's really got to get. You it think going. this is a scenario where it's like beating the champ? You you can't you can't win on a disqualification or a draw. You got to be really you got you got to be the man. You got to beat the man. Yeah, you you can't just keep your job by the Jaguars winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't. Right, well, we'll, we'll, not, not, not right now. We're going to revisit this after the Jets game. We're going to revisit it. And we revisit after the Texans week, game. And then the week after and that. And then after the bye week, we will be revisiting this story because this is now. It's actually getting kind of fun. It is. It's very interesting yeah. to see this. Listen, what a problem to have. I've said it before. Oh. Two quarterbacks who are pretty good. One who's, who's a rookie who is playing way over his draft spot. The other, former Super Bowl MVP, uh, I mean, it's a great problem to have. The Jaguars went a long time, frankly, with no quarterbacks. Uh, here they are, apparently, with two. Uh, it's a good problem for them to, to be dealing with. Let's look ahead to the Jets for a moment. 
This is a Jets team that uh, we're recording this uh, late morning on Monday. Uh, tonight they'll play the New England Patriots. Let's assume that uh, the Patriots find a way to get a victory over the New York football Jets. Uh, a team that's going to have one win heading into uh, Jacksonville. Sam Darnold, obviously, back in the lineup, makes a difference for them. But again, this is a game that the Jaguars should win. I don't think there's going to be the Jets. The Jets aren't uh, planning a, uh, to honor any former players on the road here, are they? Is this well, not going to split your so. allegiances at all? No, no, no. Okay. No. I'm going for the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm all Jaguars this weekend. But I think this is a game that the Jaguars need to win as much as they needed to win the game in Cincinnati. You agreed? Yeah, there, there, there's no question. You can't lose to the Jets, although the Jets are a better team than the Bengals. You're at home. They're coming off a short week, of course. Everything's kind of in your favor. Um, I'm anxious to see. I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about this game on Sunday after I watch Sam Darnold tonight. Okay. Uh, he, he came in. Um, a quarterback can make a difference. It beat the Dallas Cowboys. Um, now, he doesn't have to win tonight, but if, if he's moving the ball against the, the Patriots' defense, then I start having some concerns on next Sunday. Um, I think we should still win, but but the uh, the Sam Darnold, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's another kid that I spent some time with at the Combine and just watched him a little bit and heard some things about from different coaches. Now, it has a lot to do with what's around him, but... but uh, I think we'll beat the Jets. I think it, it would be a lot tougher to beat the Jets than it was to beat the Bengals. Better be. Uh, yeah. Or else the Jets are in big trouble. Yeah, exactly. No doubt about that. Exactly. All right. Come out and join us at Sneakers Jacksonville Beach on Monday, 7 o'clock for the Bark Brunel Show. Miles Jack's always out there along with uh, Eden Kendall. Miles usually brings a teammate along as well. Mark and I have a great time. Uh, we've got different members of the Jacksonville media who come in for our uh, Monday roundtable. Always a great time. So come out. come on out and join us. Monday, 7 o'clock, Sneakers Jacksonville Beach on CW17. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast wherever you find your finer podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Share with your friends, Jags fans. Get them out there uh, listening. We'd love to hear your feedback on Twitter, uh, at Cole Pepper, and at M underscore Brunel 8. Simple. Uh, on Twitter, give us your feedback. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Brunel, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks for listening to Teal the Podcast.